You're listening to the Vikes Verified Podcast. Vikings Nation, after scraping one out at U.S. Bank Stadium against the Detroit Lions, NFC North rival, uh, knew it was going to be a tight game. We knew this was an improved roster. Uh, did this one surprise you with how close it was and how we were barely able to squeak one out at the end? No, it does not surprise me at all. We always play the Lions so tall. Play down to their level. But we did come out with the W, so we got to be happy about that. Um, what a game. We really... Started slow again. Defense seems to start slow in these games, but uh, in the fourth quarter, they start to stand up. It's what we needed, and they made plays at the biggest times, but um, not ideal and not something we want to get accustomed to. We got to really be glad that we took that W, but uh, get back into London and, and play faster. Yeah, and fourth quarter finally closed it out in a nail-biter. Um, still having a lot of point in the fourth quarter this season, which I find shocking. Um, but earlier on this game, it felt like our secondary was getting picked apart a little bit. Jerry Goff looked like a really good quarterback against us. Uh, we had to battle some adversity down 24-14 late in the game. Um, they're converting every fourth down, it seems. Everyone wants to talk about Dan Campbell not going for that last fourth down. Man, I believe he was four or five on fourth down conversions before that. And then on a critical fourth and four, decides to kick the field goal towards the doors. Where we're right. seeing a little bit of a draft, maybe, from Greg Joseph. Two kicks earlier in the game that flared out to the right. Siebert's flares out to the right. Gives the Vikings a chance to lead a game-winning drive, which ends with the K.J. Osborne winner. Um, Dan had to have been kicking himself after that one, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, you still got trust in him, but it's tough to see him boot, too. But it also matches what the Detroit kicker did. I do think it's that's the interesting part about U.S. Bank is – Early in the season, that wind is a factor. Late in the season, it's not because those are closed. So can go both ways in the bank. But referring to Dan and, and the forward down calls, I, I appreciated how aggressive he was. But then for him to not go for that fourth down that and seal the, the game, it seems that like it, four yards he went against his whole philosophy yeah. and philosophy. I mean, to me, it just seemed like he was trying to outsmart himself there. And it cost them, but uh, once I saw them put out the field goal unit, I couldn't have been happier. I knew it was a long attempt, and we were either going to have to go get seven one way or another. Um, and so we did it. End of the game. Let's go. Yeah, and Dan, being the younger, uh, shorter-tenured head coach there, like you said, maybe faked himself out a little bit. Uh, he didn't stick to his philosophy all game. They were terrible on third down, but ended up com- converting so many straight fourth downs on us. I mean, it Felt like it was automatic for them on fourth down. Good job play calling early in the game. Um, and our offense couldn't match them early. I mean, Dalvin Cook was rumbling in this one. Saw him with 17 carries for 96 yards and a touchdown. But that also comes at the cost of a fumble and a dislocated shoulder. So unsure if we'll see Dalvin yet this week, but it was nice to see the ground game get going and to see Madison come in and be such a complimentary back to Dalvin. Yeah, he bullied his way into the end zone to get himself a touchdown. I mean, he's always been a really solid backup and a guy that you can depend on with Dalvin kind of uh, having some susceptibility to injuries there. So I'm super excited to see what he can do if there's an expanded workload for him. I expect more work for guys like Kenny and and, uh, Ty Chandler maybe even could play with Cook being out. But um, I I think it's going to be tough for him to play in London. I think they might sit him one week. Um, so I expect us to see a lot more Madison this week, and that's fine. I trust him and, and this offense. So just got to bring it into London. 
Yeah, and I'm excited. We're all excited to see Kenny get loose a little bit too. Uh, has had a really low number of carries this year so far. Hasn't been too evolved on the offensive side of the ball, but we're going to see a good dose of him this week as well as our wide receiving core who kind of got the wealth spread around a little bit more this week. We saw KJ with five catches for 73, Thielen with six for 61, both of them scoring a touchdown as well. Um, Justin Jefferson for the second straight game, um, don't want to say he's nowhere to be seen, but he's drawing an unworldly amount of attention with three DBs on him a lot of the time. Um, people really pra- praise Jeff Okuda in this one. He played a great game on Jefferson. Don't get me wrong, but he had a lot of help back there. Coverage. He had a lot of help back there. Does any of this concern concern you about Jefferson's production the last two games? No, just like we said, he's getting double covered. Um, that's more of a, a sign of respect than anything for him. I expected Pegs. that out of these defenses. They, after Green Bay's performance, all these teams knew that they weren't going to let that happen and to eliminate him as much as possible. I think the Vikings will still find ways to scheme him in to get some more looks. Um, you know, you might see some shorter routes to get him going early. But ultimately, I'm not concerned. He's one of the best in the league. He's going to get his. It's just been a couple games against some tough um, opponents. But he's going to have another good one here in Marshawn Lattimore. So, uh, Nick, how do, you, how do you see him faring, really, in London here with Marshawn? I think this is a kind of a back-on-track week for Jefferson. We do know Thielen loves to shine over in London, um, has had a couple good games there. So, um no denying that Thielen's going to get his workload this week, but I think we're going to see that heavy dose of Justin. I think Marshawn Lattimore is the type of guy that gets really competitive with corners, and I do not think Jefferson's going to back down to that challenge. I think if they give him man coverage, we're going to make some plays on him over the top, no question. I also see us making a couple more plays. We're starting to see Irv Smith kind of get a little more comfortable. Everyone's still on him for the drop, but he made a couple nice plays in this game against the Lions, uh, as well as who's been somewhat of a surprise in Johnny Munt, honestly, um, appears to be a pretty decent uh, tight end as far as catching the ball and getting a little bit of yak after it. Ben Elfson with a couple good catches as well. And not to mention us adding Jacob Hollister too uh, today in free agency, former Seahawks tight end. He's not a slouch himself. So looks like we're finally getting some depth and some bulk in this tight end room. Not to mention CJ Ham cutting up for a clutch first down in the last game. Uh, he's such a good gadget guy for us. But I see this room coming around a little bit. Yeah, definitely. I think it's it's deep as it's ever been, really. Um, you know, three solid tight ends in all different ways. Uh, solid, one of the best wide receiver groups in the league. And then you've got really, you know, even more weapons in, in Dalvin Cook and Kirk Cousins. We've got a lot to deal with, or a lot for opposing defenses to deal with, I mean. And, uh, you know, for us to come out, we really just need to be aggressive. And, and there's going to be fluctuation in these games between who gets a lot more targets and yards just because we have that many weapons. So as long as we're winning games... That's the ultimate thing that uh, the team wants. Just got to put that first and let the rest kind of shake out how it will, but definitely have one of the most high-powered offenses in the league, and, and I think it comes up to our defense, Nick. And after this first three games, what what are your thoughts so far on this defense, and can it kind of turn around? Well, I mean, I think it's hard to say that it's probably not been – it's probably been a little bit underwhelming so far, and I think some of that could have to do with schematics and getting used to this new scheme, this 4-3 base uh, that we've been adjusting to uh, definitely has been an adjustment for Daniil Hunter rushing from a two-point stance. I don't think he's very accustomed to that, to be honest, uh, and it, it's kind of showed a little bit. But we're still up near the top of the league in pressures. Uh, we have guys that can get it done up front, no question. But it's been kind of surprising to see the ways that other teams are beating us right now. It looks like with our soft coverage, I mean, quarterbacks are having no problem finding these windows against the zone, and 
we've seen a couple big passing onslaughts against us, not to mention Goff, uh, 25 completions for 277 and a TD. Um, and then you look at their rushing attack. They brought Jamal Williams downhill at us. We've seen him in the past on the Packers, obviously, has had a couple good games against us. He had 13 more carries than DeAndre Swift, which I think everyone saw as a surprise. But to be honest, I didn't trust this defense much at all in the first half. They were moving the ball at will on us, and it wasn't until the third, fourth quarter that we really started tightening up. So I think one thing that is to be said about this Donatel defense, uh, a lot have not been happy with it, but you you truly can't deny some of his ability to adjust at halftime because us being one of the only teams that hasn't given up a point in the fourth, I think that's attributed to some halftime adjustments and things that he saw as the game went on. I trust in this defense to make their adjustments and communicate better. I think that's ultimately what it comes down to. I would love to see a little more uh, mix of blitz and, and pressure, ideally, even more man coverage press. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do I do think that they're going to kind of flip the switch here and figure things out. We have a lot of good players. Yeah, we, we have the personnel. We make sure we're healthy on that side, and, and I think things will turn out. But digging into the injury report here coming up, Nick, uh, the first ones kind of came out today, and it looks like the Saints are going to have a few injuries here with no practices from – Ryan Ramchek, Jameis Winston, Jarvis Landry, Michael Thomas, and Andrus Pete. Those are five starters. That could be a huge swing for us. Obviously, we'll probably expect a couple of those guys to play, but yep. uh, how could that impact the game? Well, it's going to impact the game a ton, and especially looking at Jameis Winston, I think he will play this Sunday, but it's uh, undecided at this point. And then it's who do they roll with after that? Do they go with Ian Book and try to stick with the pocket passing presence, or do they go roll with Taysom Hill and let him come down the hill at us? So, It'll be interesting to see how they adjust if Jameis Winston doesn't play in this game. But like you said, they have some guys at the skill positions that are looking at probably not playing this week, and that's a big advantage for the secondary who's looking to pick up some confidence here after maybe what you'd call a tough couple games. Yeah, I think this this week presents a great opportunity for the Vikings to really get back on track. Um, Not even that we lost, but we have a couple of, of weeks coming up here with the Saints and Bears. Not to look ahead, but they're very winnable games. And a chance for us to go on a run here. Uh, we need to just, we've played well in London beforehand. Obviously, that's not going to carry over, but it's good to see. And I, I do really think we're going to come out, be high fired uh, offense here and have a really hot start. I expect our offense to be a lot better. And overall, I think it's a, it's a huge opportunity for the Vikings to solidify themselves uh, early in the season. Yeah. And you know, this team's excited to go across the pond here. We have a big fan base uh, over there in Europe, especially the UK um and norway obviously but uh this team's excited to go make a statement we've always played well over there i think it's going to be a heck of an atmosphere at tottenham that's a beautiful stadium um and this team's going to show what they can do and as koc said bring some of that swag into each week uh we're starting to identify who we are as a team we're realizing everyone can make plays on the offensive side of the ball i think it's about finding a defensive identity and uh, I would love the challenge of going up against Jameis Winston this week because as good of a ball slinger as he is, uh, we know he likes to throw interceptions. And I think interceptions are something that's going to really raise the confidence of the secondary. Yeah, Jameis is much more prone to, just like you said, turning over the ball. And I think our secondary can take advantage of that, and it, and it needs to take advantage of that. Um, you know, last week we got one with Mantellus, which was huge, kind of a toss-up ball there. But we'll take it. Um, but really this this secondary needs to – turn up more opportunities for us and give our offenses more chance they are making plays at the end of games but they need to do it earlier now so it's it's going to be good to see there's opportunities there but we got to take advantage of it going into london and josh metellus as you speak of him uh through week three here the highest pff graded player on our defense um 
obviously a little bit smaller sample size with him only starting one game this year but had a good performance other than the drop pick which he redeemed himself um it was nice to see him come up and make plays when harrison was absent and what do you think this means for rookie lewis seen uh who's looking to find his way into that secondary a little bit obviously we have good depth with bynum smith metallis uh seen and miles dorn is a special teams guy but only seeing lewis on special teams this far do you think he's a little bit buried in the step chart or could you see some defensive snaps from him even with harrison smith healthy in london I think they're easing him in. It is a little bit, you know, eye, eyebrow raising that, uh, you know, he's not getting out there right away in front of Metellus. But again, he's a rookie. Um, you know, he did deal with some injuries early on a little bit in training camp. So give him some time. Let him really get comfortable in his defense. He's going to be just fine for us, I think. And that just really speaks to the depth that our, our safety position with guys like Bynum and Metellus able to kind of intermix, interchange there and really not uh, have too much of a drop off. So great game from Metellus. But, um, you know, I think that depth really is going to help us moving forward in the season. Big international matchup with the Vikings and Saints in London. We're going to talk about some players to watch here uh, from both sides, really. I'll, I'll, start, I'll let you start, Nick, with three from the New Orleans Saints side. Who are you watching on Sunday? So we know about our bitter, bitter rivalry with the Saints over the last couple of years. We've kind of owned them towards the end of the season. That's felt great. But as always, they bring a pretty good roster into this one. Uh, my three guys to watch, number one's going to be Alvin Kamara. I mean, I just still have nightmares about the Christmas Day game when he ran for five on us and uh, just watching how talented he is with the ball in his hands. He's always going to pose a threat, uh, especially to open field tackling, which has been a little bit of a weak point of this defense so far. Uh, my second guy is going to be Chris Olave. Uh, wide receiver from Ohio State, uh, first-round pick. He's really developed a pretty good connection with Jameis Winston early on in the season. And uh, as the joke goes, Jameis just closes his eyes, throw it up to someone. Uh, he seems to kind of be his guy early in the season that he's going with on those deep balls. Um, and he's a talented guy. I mean, he moves with the best of them at the receiver position. So uh, don't be surprised to see a really heated matchup between maybe Pat Peterson and Cam Dantzler versus Chris Olave. And my third one being uh, veteran uh, dominant defensive end cam jordan and you just see uh son of steve jordan vikings legend um we've seen what he's done against us in the past but he's an absolute disruptor from the defensive end spot and we've always had trouble running the ball against him dalvin cook i know for sure has had his fair share of run-ins with cam jordan as well as kirk cousins so um dominant run stopper he can get it done on the pass rush as well just a big intimidating presence uh he's kind of the heart and soul of that defense so it's my three guys that i think have the best chance to hurt us on sunday yeah for me on the viking side it starts with uh center garrett bradbury he's actually performed pretty well through yep. his first three games so shout sixth out, highest rated center shout out to him um he's holding his own but i think this is another great matchup and opportunity for us to watch and see if he can kind of keep that hot start going uh it'd be a great progression for this offensive line and would really solidify it through the whole five there and it's going to be a huge game for him to prove himself second i'll go alex alexander madison i mean again if cooks out this presents a huge game for him and and an opportunity to go off against the saints and and he can do that he has the ability to so he's a guy that i'm keeping an eye on and i'll finish off on the defensive side and daniel hunter He's played really well going up against some some great uh, right tackles there. So he's had, a, you know, great competition. But another um, game for him to get after Jameis and a guy that, you know, is not only throws interceptions but can sometimes get strip sack there. So I'm expecting him to, you know, maybe create some opportunities for this defense on Sunday. 
Yeah, and Daniil Hunter's kind of our heart and soul on the other side of the ball, and him and Zadarius Smith really the anchors of this pass rush um, need pass rush to be successful, especially with the defensive scheme that we've played four man rush a lot of the time. Uh, showing up on the injury report today was Zadarius Smith. Uh, people saying late in the game against Detroit had a little bit of a knee issue, maybe tweaked it a little bit, played through it the rest of the game. Do you think this injury poses any kind of threat to him, uh, maybe lingering performance or even sitting out this game? Well, I I think from what it seems like, it seems like something he might be able to play through. But if he can't play that, I think that's a that's a decent sized loss for this defense. That duo on the DNs for us Sizable really, loss. really is something that uh, can challenge offensive lines and offenses as a whole. And not having one of them kind of takes away from that uh, mo- or potion there. So it's going to be hard if he can't play. But I do think it's something that he'll be able to tough out. But uh, ultimately, he is going to travel to London. So I think it's going to be a game time decision. Yeah, it's looking like that. I think he's going to play through this one, especially with the circumstances here. Uh, you look at a couple other pieces on the Saints defense. Um, besides Cam Jordan, they have Demario Davis there in the middle, who's been a mainstay for them at linebacker, uh, has made a ton of big plays over the years and always seems to be finding the ball laterally, as well as Pete Werner at linebacker, who's had a great start to the season. Um, one of the highest-rated linebackers so far, and that guy can play for sure. And don't forget about the homecoming of Tyron Matthew back to New Orleans. Uh, signed with them this offseason. He's a known playmaker in this league, a ball hawk, really. Um, don't really see too many problems with Alexander Madison running downhill at him, but he can really affect Kirk Cousins with the way he manipulates quarterbacks in that secondary. Matthew's been a great player in this league for a long time, former Super Bowl champion with the Chiefs, so he has definitely has a pedigree in this league and is someone to watch on Sunday. But changing pace to some over-unders here. Yes, sir. I'm going to start you off with Jameis Winston, a guy that we've talked about on the podcast who's prone to throwing interceptions. I'll start and set the line at one and a half. Do you see that going over or under, Nick? I'm going to hit the under on this one. Um, I just think our defense hasn't shown me enough as far as taking the ball away yet for us to – go to plus here i think he does throw one um probably to a linebacker to be honest i think jordan hicks or eric kendricks is probably due for one here but um as far as picks go i don't think he amasses the one spot we'll switch over to the viking side here with alexander madison if he gets the start nick do you see him going over under 90 rushing yards Oh, that's a close one for me. If he does get the start, we know he's going to get a big workload. But um, to be honest, I see our focal point being on the passing game this week. Um, I think that Alex is going to be just south of that. I think he does his best work inside the 20, obviously, uh, running downhill towards the end zone. So I do see him finding the end zone. But as far as 90 yards goes, I think he's just south of that. And I will end with one of our tight ends here and Johnny Mont, um, a Johnny. guy who's been making some plays recently. Uh, do you we'll set the line at point five? Do you see him finding the end zone there this week? Is this a, is this an opportunity for him to get six? I think you know I like that. I like that you brought that up. I hope that Johnny's not just a little flash in the pan for us here because he's made a couple plays that have been impressive. And uh, there's a reason the KLC brought him in here. He saw something like that in him. So um, I don't think he finds the end zone this week. I'm going to hammer the under on that. I think if any tight end finds it, I think it's going to be Irv Smith. And or CJ Ham. I think CJ's due for some at the goal line. Maybe a little flat route, maybe a little fullback dive. Who knows? But uh, I don't think Johnny finds the end zone just yet, but that does not mean that he doesn't find it the rest of the year. And over to uh, you, Matt. Guy. Talking about Kirk Cousins, Vikings quarterback. He's praised over there in London. They love him overseas. How could you not? 
Um, big game for him against the Saints defense that I wouldn't call. I would call him just about middle of the road. I think this is a defense that can be picked apart a little bit. Uh, he's got the weapons to do it, and he certainly has a scheme to do it. I'm going to set my passing line for Kirk Cousins at over under 25 completions. Ooh, I'm going to go. I'm going to go slightly under. I, I think we do get enough of the run game in there. It's going to be in the 20s, but I think it'll be somewhere closer to 23, 24. Um, unless it's a shootout, I expect it to be a little tighter of a game, especially overseas. Teams are going to have a maybe a you know time to adjust early on, so I'll go under there. Okay, and guy we already touched on, Chris Olave, the wide receiver from Ohio State. Dude's got some quick feet on him uh, against the secondary that plays a lot of soft coverage. He could make a play or two. Uh, we're going to set his receiving yards line at 82 yards, Matt, over under. Olave's a guy that I'm actually trending you know, upward with. I think he gets over 82. Like you said, he's been one of Winston's favorite targets. Um, a guy like Michael Thomas, especially if he's out, I definitely see him going over 82. But he's been hot. I'll go over there. And your final one here, we're going to look at the Saints rushing attack. Uh, Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram probably by committee here. Um, their rushing attack as a whole, Matt, over or under two touchdowns. I'll go under there. I think they they're going to be passing more again, um, and I do think it's under. I think Kamara might find find that zone for them for sure, but definitely not over two. I'm going to hammer the under there. Okay, and those seem to work in our favor. Um, from what it sounds like, I think we're both on the same page here. We think we're going to set a tone here in London this week. Um, we've played well there in the past, and there's no reason we can't take kind of a vulnerable. New Orleans team that we have a little bit of a past with. Uh, first matchup for KLC with the New Orleans Saints. He can get a little taste of this rivalry. Viking Saints, it goes all the way back. Uh, how could we forget 2009, their faulty Super Bowl? Um, a lot going on under the table there. I don't want to say I have a ton of respect for this organization. Um, so it's it's some personal every time we play them, and I think the players kind of feel that, especially in an environment like London where it's somewhat of a neutral environment, I would say, but we will probably have more fans there at the game. Um, this is going to be one that we need to set the tone early, Matt. Who do you think we get in the end zone first on Sunday? I'm going to lean with a guy in Mr. Reliable, really, and Adam Thielen. I wouldn't be surprised. Just like uh, I'm pretty sure last time we played in London, he scored the first a little touchdown. soccer slide, too. I would love to see him run that back. So I'm going to, I'm going to go with uh, Mr. Mankato, Adam Thielen. That doesn't surprise me at all. I think, once again, with all the attention that Jefferson's demanding opposite of the ball, things are really going to start to open up here for him. We saw him wide open on that crosser for a touchdown last game. Three guys running with Jefferson on the jet motion. So um, he's in a position now where he doesn't have the main focal point of defenses towards him. So I think this is where he can kind of fly under the radar and make make some some of those big plays that he's used to making. And not to mention he's got a counterpart in K.J. Osborne on the other side. Do you think K.J. keeps his little touchdown streak going here? Mr. Cold-Blooded. I do think he has a great opportunity as well. Again, I do think we're going to see bracket-type coverage on Jefferson, especially even a shadow from Marshawn Lattimore. So I I think he's going to get his, but again, guys like Thielen and Osborne need to make plays like they did last week. And I think they're going to be have a busy day ahead of them. Absolutely. Some interesting news here on the forefront from Minneapolis. 
Oh, with Hurricane Ian pushing through Florida, the Bucks and Chiefs Sunday night football game. There's talks that it's rescheduled up here at U.S. Bank Stadium in Minneapolis, kind of a neutral site in the Midwest is where they were looking. And with us being out in London, uh, it makes perfect sense for them to come jo- enjoy a beautiful venue, really, at U.S. Bank Stadium. Do you think this is a good thing for the NFL to bring this game up here to U.S. Bank Stadium, get a little more exposure? Or do you think it's kind of like disrespectful that the Vikings aren't playing on their home field? No, 100%. It's great. I mean, I think it's a great venue for a football game. And for any event, really, it's a beautiful place. And that's why they look at it as a great space to host a game, especially in a neutral location, indoors for the most part, so you don't have to worry about the weather as much. Um, and to me, it seems like uh, a game that people would want to go out to. you got two high-powered offenses in Tampa Bay and Kansas City. It's almost like a Super Bowl-type matchup. Mm-hmm. You'd figure that tickets are going to be pretty accessible for the fans being at so last minute. So if this can happen, it's something you absolutely got to push. It's good for the city. It's good for you know the stadium. We don't really have to take it as a disrespect. It's it's more of a, an act of kindness, I'd like to put it, just because yes, of that sir. Minnesota nice, right? Yeah, you're totally right, Matt, and I think this is great for the city as well. Uh, this should be something that Vikings fans who are you know done watching the game around noon, you maybe go on, hit up the Game Time app, shout out to Game Time, maybe find Ticketmaster, get some tickets to the Sunday Night Football game. We might as well. You might as well go check out the GOAT while he's still on turf. Uh, could be the last opportunity to see Tom Brady here in person. And why wouldn't you want to see him play against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs? So for the premier venue in sports in the NFL, I think it's a great thing. Can't wait to watch the Vikings Euro step into London and hope to get a victory against the New Orleans Saints. Puts us at 3-1, and one, currently lone leaders of the NFC North with the tiebreaker. Uh, like you said, next two games, very winnable. It'd be really nice to see us at 4-1. and one. Um, Need to do a lot in this one to win, though. This is a good team that's not going to fold over. Uh, players on both teams want to put on a show for the international fans. There's no denying that. But Victor the Viking, with his European ties, I think is going to come out on top of this one. Uh, my current prediction in this game, Matt, I'm going to go 31 for the Vikings. I think we break the 30-point bar- barrier for the first time this season. I see 31-20 to 20 Minnesota Vikings. I think... T- Jameis Winston maybe throws one, two touchdowns early, but I think as we kind of cue in on him with those second-half adjustments, I see a couple picks in his future potentially, and I see us coming out on top. Yeah, like you said, I think we got some ties to London with, you know, our past experience there, Victor the Viking, really some uh, AP went nuts in London. connections there, so I do expect another good performance. Um, again, I, I do expect it to be a little more high-scoring. I'm going to go with a score of 30-24. to 24. It's going to be a close one, but I expect the Vikings to be on the winning side here. They've been successful in the past. Let's see if we can keep that rolling here, get to 3-0 and in London and, and bring it back to the U.S. But, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting with that six-hour time change and, and jet lag. It's a, it's a big opportunity for the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, and we'll see who decides to suit up for the Saints or who doesn't this weekend. The injury report's kind of misleading at this point because you don't know who's really going to be in there and whose injury is actually serious. So if they have a couple weapons out on the offensive side, I, I feel like this there's no reason that we can't really get into one here and win by multiple scores. It'd be nice to see us learn how to kind of roll a team over and win considerably rather than having things come down to the final minute or so. Time to rise and shine, though, Vikings fans. With an 8.30 a.m. start, we're going to have to get after it early. Have yourself a Sunday fun day. 
Let's watch these Vikings have some international fun and come out of a W, bring it back home to Minnesota to bring us to 3-1. and one. Let's keep it rolling. Yeah, you heard the man right. 8.30 a.m., get your Bloody Marys ready. Get your mimosas ready. Get a coffee ready. Throw some get Baileys in there. Let's get comfy on the couch. Let's watch the Vikings get an international W, baby. Skull. Skull.